Hey, welcome to another edition of Showtime with Pooh. Insightful BS with my Laker teammates and NBA legends and other people that are involved in the NBA. And today we have Aline the Dream. That's what I call him. He's a friend of mine. And again, what we want to bring our listeners is all sides of basketball, all sides of the NBA. Aline is an NBA scout. Uh for the Toronto Raptors, a team that won a championship, and they'll never see another motherfucking championship as long as he lived. Uh, Aline, okay? Uh, Aline, how you doing today, sir? Hey, you know, this is good because I was going to ask, can I cuss on this show? So you, you yes. asked that question. Um, Go for it, dude. Cool, man. I'm good. Uh, it, I'm, I'm glad that you're having me on the show, man. It's It's been a minute. Um, I'm sure your, your listeners will hear about, you know, our time together in the WNBA. So thank you for having me, man. Okay, well, let's start this party by saying, did you ever have aspirations? No, first of all, let's go with this way. Where are you from originally? I'm from, I'm originally from Toronto, born and raised. Born and raised, a Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Did you carry a maple leaf when you were little? <laughs> I didn't. I did not. But when I was little, I actually, it's funny, I always, I always wished I was from L.A. until I hit like 15 or or. 13 or 14, fell in love with the Raptors. And then since then, I was, I was proud to be here. So you want to be here in L.A. now. Uh, did you ever play basketball? Let's start that way. You know the answer to this question. I'm like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, on a good day. <laughs> okay, so. You know what's Fud Webs and Muggsy Bowes? They were short. <laughs> I don't have the pop like that. I don't have the verticality like that. But did you shoot? Um, I played, I played a ton when I was younger. I played all throughout high school. And then when I got to college, I tried out, I, I tried to walk on for the, my college team, University Which of Calgary. Which was? University of Calgary. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, the feedback I got was, listen, man, you might not be big enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, uh, was your guy's nickname Stampede? Sorry? Was your, your college nickname Stampede? Uh, no, I only got one nickname. That's Aleem the Dream, and that's from you. No, no. You said you went to Calgary. Calgary yeah. Stampede. So I said, <laughs> it's a bad joke, Coop. <laughs> hey, we uh, have lost touch with reality of this particular episode because we have a lean the dream, a young man that I got to know in my days of coaching down at the Atlanta Dream. So um, when you first started down there, Aline, did you have aspirations or want to end up where you are today, a, a, a scout for the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, and, and Coop, I think, you know, we talked about this a ton. I remember even before Atlanta, my aspirations was to always come home and work for this team and, and grow in this organization. And Atlanta was my first, you guys gave me my first opportunity to crack into the pros and really start to build a name for myself. And so, you know, the aspiration was always to work for this organization and and ultimately one day run my own NBA franchise and, and, and try and chase the title. And so Atlanta was the first step was truly the first step in that so I'll, I'll always be grateful for you guys for um you know it's funny how, how did you find out about that job or how did you wind up in Atlanta at that particular time you know it's funny um I was yesterday when you texted me and said can we can, can you jump on the show um there's so much about my time in Atlanta that you and I never got to spoke about because I was in it and we were just we were, we were chasing the title in Atlanta as well but for months and months and months, I would send Kaminsky and Angelica sample scouting reports of college players who were in who could were eligible for the WNBA draft. 
Now Kaminsky yes. was our uh, equipment manager, and Angelica was uh, personnel in the in the front office. Yeah. Okay. And so I would just cold email them, say, here's a sample scouting report of a college player you guys could draft in the upcoming draft. Because if you remember that year, we had the 12th pick, the 13th pick, and the 36th pick, yeah. something like that. Yeah. We had three picks. And so I would blow them up all the time, send them random scouting samples. I'd send them scouting reports on players overseas that I just watched film on and write up. And ultimately, I, I would end the email by saying, hey, if you have five minutes to jump on a phone and chat, I would love that. So over the course of three or four months, I built up a relationship with both of them. And when it came time to hire for the internship, they were like, look, it's, it's unpaid and, and you got to pay for your own visa because I'm Canadian. I couldn't work in the States. But if you would, if you would join us, we'd love to have you. So cool. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. The, I accepted a job. The, I applied for the visa. It came in. I got in my like 2003 wow. Toyota Camry and I drove Coop. I drove. 10 hours straight from Toronto to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, or sorry, to Lexington, Kentucky. I slept in a Walmart parking lot for like three or four hours that night. I was so excited to get to Atlanta. I woke up off of like three hours of sleep and finished the last seven hours of that drive and got to Atlanta. Wow. I started on a Monday. That's dedication, I, man. I, always I cool when guys okay, bet on themselves. I mean, I, you know, I, my career in, in sports talk radio, the same sort of deal of betting. I mean, you, you have to, you have to, in jobs that a lot of people want, you have to take risks and bet on yourself and do that time and time again. Yeah. So how'd you then get from Atlanta now to Toronto? Hey, Michael Cooper here. Bet online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah. So how'd you then get from Atlanta now to Toronto? So um, I was in Atlanta, spent a year there with Coop, um, you know, just really grinding my way through and trying to make a good impression on these guys. Cause I understood that, you know, my next opportunity was going to be an opportunity that, you know, someone who I was currently working with could, could help me get, Right. So at the time we had hired a president, um, Teresa Wenzel, and she had kind of picked up on my work and, and knew I was, I was grinding away. And she put me in touch with Georgia Tech uh, on the women's side. And after my season with the Atlanta Dream, I ended up getting a video job in the, on the coaching staff with the Atlanta or with the uh, Georgia Tech women's basketball program. And then, you know, again, still working on paid, but now they're taking care of my food and housing. So I was, I was a little bit more comfortable, but like still really just grinding it out. Um, Wild. And so, you know, long, long, long story short, um, I ended up interviewing with the Raptors for the Wayne and Wayne now called the Wayne and Teresa Embry Fellowship. Um, and you know, I, I can, I, I want to talk about that program later because I think it's a, it's a great program that we run as an organization. Um, I didn't get it the first year, but they offered me a part-time scouting role. I ended up doing the scouting role for two years. 
Um, and then and that was that it was that with Toronto that was with Toronto through that program you were able to get into okay go ahead right and then in the third in the third year of the program <laughs> I actually applied again I got it and I've been full-time with the Raptors I've been with the Raptors now for five years in total and full-time for the last three years and wow. now I'm, uh, I'm the coordinator of scouting so I um, scout I travel a ton for NCAA basketball I scout NBA uh, and I kind of help you know, have the conversation around draft picks and, and NBA trade targets. Okay. That's pretty good, man. Now we know that you can't talk about any team or any player because that would be tampering and we don't want to get you in trouble and lose your job. And you go back to that cockroach infested hey, apartment. Exactly. You- it's hard to get it. We're not doing anything to compromise it. <laughs> uh, Aline, what does it take to be a good scout? Because I was a scout with the Lakers when I finished playing and I was under, you know, working with Jerry West and, Jerry used to tell me certain things, and I just want to hear if we kind of on the same line. But to you, what does it take to be a good scout? Yeah, so look, along the same lines, if you had Jerry, I have Masai, Bobby, Dan Tolzman. So, you know, I'm constantly asking them the same questions too. And I think, you know, my personal philosophy, Coop, is that I think when you overcomplicate this game, that's when you miss the bigger picture, right? And I think what it takes to be a good scout is to be able to sit in the gym and say, okay, who's the best player in this gym and why? answer that question simply like why is this player the best player in this gym or why how is this player going to translate to the nba um but then are you always looking for the best player when you go out no and and that's a great question the answer is no i think i'm i'm looking i'm constantly looking for attributes of a player that translate to the nba right so like and and for me personally like i'm i have a preference for guys who are like high motor high IQ, right? Because those things always translate. Um, But I I think the second piece of a great scout is being open-minded enough to have an imagination about who this player could be, right? And I think we uh, oftentimes we look at a player and we say, well, he can't shoot, he can't dribble, he can't do this, he can't do that. But like, okay, but who could he be in five years? Yeah, and that's what that people don't understand is that being young right now, you're going to make mistakes. So you gotta, make, that's a great thing. You're going to make mistakes. You know, like, oh, he his off-ball defense is, is awful. Oh, he, he, he defends with his hands down. Well, listen, defending with your hands out and showing big, that's a coaching thing. He can get coached into that. So I think that to answer your question more directly, I think what makes a great scout is the people who are optimistic enough and who have a little bit more faith in who a player could be because i think that's what helps you project good to great players but i think the difference between you and i i'm sorry all right go ahead no i I was just gonna say you know it's interesting because i'm i'm in dallas now but i spent six years covering the spurs in san antonio and i was there at the beginning of Kawhi leonard and his growth like he was a 25 percent three-point shooter at san diego state his last year so like the growth and maturity of him you could see like the spurs identified a skill set within him the length the ability to defend. And then you could just see as, you know, behind the scenes work him working all the time and that corner three point shot. And then the corner three becomes kind of his bread and butter. He's a three and D guy. And then, you know, he just continues to evolve his game. So I think like, that's a great example of a guy that like he was drafted late, I think because people didn't realize what you were just saying, the, 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 the basketball player that he can become. Yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, uh, certain people, Popovich, Jerry West, I think Masai is getting this this notion yeah. too. The great players, I mean, great coaches, 
And you look at the Spurs back then, the Lakers, we were always drafting late, late, late because, you know, we were winning. And you're up to the top and you're making it to the playoffs. And if you don't win a championship, at least you're in the Western Conference Finals. So you have that you have that, that rare air. You, you, it's a luxury to look at those top six players that are coming out of college and saying, okay, I want him, him, him. But we're not. So Jerry used to tell me when, Coach, when scouting, he would go, Coop, you know what? Look at that eighth, ninth, tenth kid on the bench. Watch their attitude. Watch them when they get in the game, when they get taken out. Uh, what's their body language like right. going back to the bench? Because these are kids that we're going to be drafting because we don't have the luxury of picking number one through five or whatever like that. So our pick is coming into the first round, early second, middle of the second. So we're going to – and that's one thing. He had that innate ability, Jerry West, to be able to see that kid that could come in and do what you said. How's he going to be projected on our team? Yeah, no, for sure. I think – I think that's a big piece of it, you know, and, and I tell people all the time, like 50% of my job is Intel. 50% of my job is, is speaking to like 50% of it is evaluating the player, but then the other 50% is speaking to college coaches and speaking to ki- people around the kid to figure out a lot of what you just said, Coop, which is like, who is this kid's character? If he's at the end of the bench playing spot minutes or sometimes not at all, is he going to be an energy giver or an energy taker? And Coop, you know this as a head coach, that 15th man at the end of the bench, he cannot be an energy taker. He has to be an energy giver, right? So, no, that's a great point. You know, another thing I was going to say is with the kids nowadays, and I know growing up for us, social media, and these young people don't understand, you know, they put all their business out there, social media, and the NBA has, and I'm pretty sure you guys have this too, a social media aspect of your program. Because if there's a kid that you like or three kids, you follow those kids on social media. So if they're dealing in the wrong atmosphere as far as gangs, if they doing drugs, if they doing something illegal and they putting it out there, that kind of puts a red flag up to where I don't care if you're number one, but you may come in and be that six, seven kid. That's a kid that we cannot afford to have. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the, the other piece of that commentary is that times are changing and these young kids nowadays yeah i mean social media is absolutely an aspect of it but the other piece of of growing up in this generation i think is that you know a lot of these young players are a lot more educated on worldly issues and social issues and so the flip side of using that their social media platform is also getting an understanding of what do they value as people and what are some social issues that they value. And I know our organization in particular is huge on um, enabling our players and empowering them to speak up on the things that they care about and, and encouraging them to use their social platform. So you're right. I think it works both ways. It could hinder a player um, if they're sending the wrong messages um, but it, it also helps players a ton get their message out and, and be more of an influential voice than players have been able to be in the past. What do you attribute the growth of basketball in Toronto specifically to? Because, I mean, it, it's, it's like the talent pool in Toronto is insane considering, was it Steve Nash? You know, where, where did it start? Yeah, no, I, you know what? I think it started um, with, you know, with with guys like Steve Nash and Leo Routens and and I, I'll be totally honest here I, I'm not doing Toronto 
justice in terms of the pioneers of the game in the cities. Um, I think a large piece of it has been the dedication of different AAU programs in Toronto, like CIA Bounce, like Uplay, like Northern Kings, um, uh, like Canada Elite, and the, the, the people in those organizations really investing time into these kids. Mm. But what I will say, Ari, is that Toronto, the reason that Toronto is blowing up from a talent perspective is that you have people from the islands, from the Caribbean, from Jamaica, from India, from Africa, from every part of Eastern and Western Europe, you have this diverse pool of people. Mm. And any basketball court you go to in Toronto, you see white people, black people, brown people, Asian people. And talent has blown up in that city because there's this genuine passion from a young age of these kids growing up and, and being on basketball courts from seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. And I don't think you see that in other cities anymore. Mm. You don't see kids out on the playground anymore. And so a lot of Toronto talent is building, is building toughness by remaining, by continuing to play in the streets and on courts. I think our, infrastructure in Toronto has gotten a lot better from an AU perspective, from a prep school perspective. Um, and then I, I think the last piece of it is a lot of kids in Toronto are quite frankly, working harder toward pursuing careers in the NBA because they see that it's possible. Now they've seen the Andrew Wiggins and the Tristan Thompson's and the Jamal Murray's and they have access to those players. Now, like Jamal Murray and Tristan Thompson and, and all these players they're not as far away as you might think. They're very accessible for these players. So right. I think that's why the, the talent scene in Toronto is blowing up is a combination of all those things. Hey, you listen to Showtime with Coop. We got Aleem, and I don't even know his last name, but I know, but I don't want to butcher it and look at embarrass myself, but I call him the dream. Aleem the dream. Aleem, we're at that point. Hassan Ali? Yeah. Hassan Ali? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Coop, it's not said- it's right. not that hard. Hassanali. It's just like it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> Hassanali. <laughs> but that portion of the program is called Lightning Round, Aleem. I'm going to give you five names, and all you can talk as much or as little about the names I'm going to give you, okay? It's a new year, but it's feeling harder than ever to find and hire the qualified people you need, especially for small businesses. That's where LinkedIn jobs come in. They make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Yeah, Coop. I mean, one of the things that I love about my experiences in using LinkedIn, especially LinkedIn jobs is, you know, based on your qualifications and criteria for certain jobs, like they're, they're going to have immediate candidates available for you. So it's like you post a job in LinkedIn jobs and they're all, all automatically going to give you like, Oh, here's 50 candidates. And so it's, it's a pretty amazing program that automatically they're just going to, they're going to give you candidates right away. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? 
post your job for free at linkedin.com slash showtime. That's linkedin.com slash showtime to post your jobs for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. <laughs> and Coop, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So there you go. Perfect. Put that portion of the program is called lightning round, Aline. I'm going to give you five names and all you can talk as much or as little about the names I'm going to give you. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. First one, Kobe. Uh, the reason that I was as persistent pursuing my career in basketball, my, uh, yeah, I'll put it at that. Gandhi. Uh, uh, like a beacon of light for people like me who come from India and who want to have a platform and, and, and spread positivity and, and do something meaningful in this world. Wow. Michael Cooper. <laughs> he just oh, laughed. Audible laughing. Hey, hey listen, enough said. No, uh, look. No, <laughs> look. You know why I laugh at that? Because I don't want to blow this man's head up. Okay. I don't want to say anything positive about this man in front of I talk positive about him for the last five or six years behind his back, but in, to his face, I can't do it. I love you. I love you, uh, Ali. <laughs> Wayne Embry a pioneer, a mentor, um, someone who, who has, I feel like has given me the answers to achieving meaningful success in basketball in the most simplest way. Um, someone who I admire, someone who, um, yeah, someone who I, I don't know where my career would be at without him. And Coop, I feel the same way about you too. Mm. Um. <laughs> Can Toronto win a championship? I think we will win a championship. I, I I have too much faith in our in our leadership team and our front office, and our coaching staff, our medical staff, our our players. Most importantly, our players. Um, I I genuinely believe that we're going to win another. I think we're going to win another one for sure. What's the coach's name there? Nick Nurse. Yeah, Nick Nurse. I really like him as a coach. He seems like he's real coachable, has patience with the team, and a great IQ upside to him. Yeah, Nick is, um, you know, being on the, uh, uh, to be totally frank, being on the front office side, and because I'm on the road so much, I don't, I, this last year, I haven't been able to be in the office as much, um, especially with COVID and everything, but everything I know about Nick in, in, in my interactions is he does such a good job of connecting with our players and, and, and Coop, this is, this is something that remind you, you and him have a lot of similarities that way is when I was working with you, the biggest thing that stood out to me was that Coop, you were a great leader because you could speak to people at their level. I was an intern in the, with the Atlanta Dream. I was, I was a bottom of the totem pole. But you treated me with respect and you spoke to me in a way that made me feel like you genuinely cared about me. Like, Ari, I remember times Coop, Coop would snuggle up right beside me and, and he'd be like, Dream, how's your girl doing, man? cool i won't go further than that but but. no i mean you gotta care about people's life outside i i do i I try not to cross that line but no i mean that was i mean and and that's and and but but then he he was able to have conversations with me as an intern and make me feel special and and valued um but and then he was able to have great conversations with our players and put an arm around them and and you know, talk about pick and roll coverage or ball screen action 
in a way that made them want to buy into whatever we were doing. And then I would see him speak to the media in a different way. And I would see him speak to our ownership group as well. And the thing that stood out was this uncanny ability for Coop to transition between all the levels of the organization seamlessly. Mm. And, and, and that's kind of what I see in Nick is this person who's able to connect with anybody. And I think it's because both of you have gone through so many different walks of life on your way to your careers that um, you're able to speak to different people at different levels. And I think that's what great leadership looks like. I mean, if you could today transform yourself to the position that you want to achieve, would it be with the coaching or front office or general manager? You know, I think, I think for me, and I think it's a path that I'm heading down is, is, is a president of basketball operations. Like I, 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 I think for me, the exciting part is building out the roster and, and, and getting a chance to do that, um, do that one day with a, a group of people that I respect and admire and, 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 uh, and being able to chase one, you know, as, as, as someone who's putting together the roster. And I think a big piece of that though, is I, you know what, I say this all the time. I could not be in a better situation than I am in right now to be able to learn what it takes to get there. Like I, I could be 10 years away or 20 years away from that role. I don't, I genuinely don't know. But the most exciting part of it is that I'm in no rush to get there because I'm learning. I'm pulling from Masai. I'm pulling from Bobby Webster, who, in my opinion, is 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 one of the the most um, is is one of the smartest, youngest, up and coming GMs in the NBA. I'm pulling from Dan Tolzman, who, again, in my opinion, is an unbelievable talent evaluator and other people in our organization, like Shelby Weaver, Isaac Lax, Luke Wynn, Keith Boyarski, like our organization is this, is, is full of smart people who I pull from and can learn from. And, and that's why I think one day I could, I could put, be very well, very well be a president of basketball operations because I'm getting a chance to learn from all these people. You know what, the fun part about what you just said is that when we were playing in the 80s, you know, you had Pat Riley, Chick Hearn, Jerry West, Dr. Buss, Elgin Baylor, people that was coming around. Uh, The one thing that I'm hearing about the Toronto Raptors organization, you got a lot of basketball minds around. And and that people don't understand how valuable that is because people that know basketball know what they're looking at, know what they're seeing, and can help make better informed decisions about player personnel moves and things that are going on. And then you hire a coach like Nick Nurse that's open to suggestion and positive comments from people like that makes for a good starting ground. A hundred percent. And I think the biggest thing about our group, and it starts at the top, is we've pushed this idea of diversity in our thought, you know? And, and if you look at our organization, we have the most women in our, I believe we have the most women in our organization um, in different areas. We have, women in our on our medical staff we have women in our front office scouting staff we have probably one of the best um leaders in the nba and Teresa resch who's our vice president of basketball operations shelby weaver is our director of basketball operations on our in our front office who has a hand in scouting in in um in making sure that our player development program is is firing on all cylinders so it's that diversity of thought that i think makes us really successful uh, Aline, tell us a little bit about the Wayne Embry Foundation. Yeah, so the Wayne Embry, it's now called the Wayne and Teresa Embry Fellowship. And um, 
you know, Coop, I mean, that's, that really kicked off my career. So it's an opportunity for two Canadians a year. Um, and one of, one of those candidates have to be someone who comes from a marginalized or racialized group. Um, it's an opportunity for two candidates to join the Toronto Raptors organization in an area of focus for them. So whether that's coaching, front office, medical, whatever their area of focus is, but then also get an opportunity to rotate through the different areas of the organization. So, you know, for me in my year, um, my year was the last year that it was just one candidate and my area of focus was scouting. So I had obviously done a lot of scouting work ahead of that. Coop, you know, when I was with the dream, I was doing a ton of personnel scouting and, and uh, advanced scouting. Um, so I had joined the front office for my fellowship year in, in our scouting practice. And every couple of weeks, I'd get an opportunity to spend two or three days with the coaching staff and learning what, and learn about the coaching side and two or three days or a week with the medical staff to learn about what happens in the medical, on the medical team, learn the business side a little bit and PR and all these different facets of basketball organ or sorry, of basketball operations. And the, the goal behind the Wayne and Teresa Embry fellowship is to um, groom the next MBA executives. Um, and so the only way you can do that is if you get exposure to all areas of a basketball organization, especially early in your career. So um, I can't say enough about the program and I'm so excited for the future of it. I mean, we just had two amazing candidates who came through the door this year. We are gearing up to interview two more candidates in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're, we're six years in now, I believe. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I definitely think it is, is, it is one of the pinnacle programs in the NBA. Could one person in another NBA city, how would they go about if they want to get involved, not necessarily with uh, that, but how would they go about trying to get involved in the NBA? What route would they take? Yeah, so I think I always say is networking is huge and, and but not just cold emailing people, but doing a lot of the similar things that I did, which was send people's uh, reports and samples of your work and get your name out there, get your work out there and try and jump on a call, ask people about their journey, build meaningful relationships. And the way you do that is sending out sample scouting reports or sending out sample work. Um, If they were to have an intern program, is that a route that you could take? Yeah, absolutely. Like what I did with with you guys in the Atlanta dream, that kicked off my career, right? Like, I I don't know if I, there's a hundred million things I don't know that that helped my career, but Atlanta was, was one of the biggest things. So um joining an internship program and then and working hard and having people that you work with connect you to your next opportunity well Aline, i'm here to please not to tease and uh one of the biggest things that i gotta say about you is you know the time i spent with you the one year even though it was one year you're probably the hardest working young man that i've been around and i mean hard work pays off whether you are in the front office or whether you're on the basketball court want to thank you, man, for coming on. Um, we Here we are at, at Showtime with Coop. We're giving you all sides of the athletic world in basketball, from being a player, high-caliber player, to uh, a lean the dream. <laughs> Coop, appreciate you, man. Thank you, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that we could do this. This feels like a full-circle moment. There you have it. Another edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with NBA legends, 
NBA teammates, and always, always the people that are behind the scenes that make all the action on the floor come alive. Thank you, Aline. Thank you. Enjoy yourself, man.